This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Nirvana Sisters Podcast, where we take the intimidation out of well-being and beauty to help you achieve your highest state, your nirvana. We are sisters-in-law and your hosts. I'm Amy Sherman. And I'm Katie Chandler. So let's get into some real conversation. Welcome to the show, Nirvana Sisters family. This week, we are sitting down with Erica Brunwasser, parent, coach, and educator. She graduated with a BA in psych from Ohio State, master's in school counseling education from Fordham. She worked for eight years in a diverse New York public school system as a guidance counselor with students ranging from kindergarten all the way up to high school. She was responsible for helping with all social, emotional, and behavioral issues in order to help students succeed academically. She's run countless student groups and individual counseling sessions, parent trainings, staff trainings. Took some time off to be a stay-at-home mom with her little girl, Sadie, and then came back and ran a girls' empowerment group for Fairfield County Nonprofit Live Girl, ran a teen community service group in Greenwich, and is now a parent coach. Started her company recently. She's an entrepreneur kicking this off. And I am so excited to have her here because guess what? She's my parent coach. (laughs) Oh, we're going to get all into it. (laughs) (laughs) She's blown my mind. And in just three sessions, actually in just one session helped my family tremendously. And in just three sessions has just continued to, to be phenomenal. So Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> I hope Welcome, you. Erica. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited to be here. And I go Buckeyes. I didn't go to Ohio State, but my friend Courtney is like crazy Buckeyes. So anytime I hear someone goes to Ohio State, I have to just throw that in there. <laughs> the fans are definitely hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Erica and I are... Um, live in the studio together. So that's fun because obviously we live close to each other. So we wish you were here, Amy, the three of us, it would be so much fun. I know, I know, but I just have to um, say something, Katie, I think it's really um, vulnerable of you to come into the show and bring someone who you're talking to and kind of bring your personal, I mean, I know we always talk about our personal lives, but still that's really close to your heart. So it's nice that you have Erica here to bring wisdom to our listeners, but also like it's your own coach. So I think that's really cool that you are here, Erica. So thanks for joining. Thank you. We're so happy that you're here. And I'm so happy to be working with you and to be talking to you guys. This is awesome. Good. Great. Well, let's kick off our Nirvana of the week. You have one? Okay. So mine was actually this morning. It was just a Saturday morning and it's always hard to get my boys up in the morning and normally on the weekend they sleep late, but my son had a bar mitzvah to go to this morning. And so I had to get him up and he was like complaining and it was like a whole ordeal. But anyway, by the time he got up and got dressed, like he hasn't gotten dressed up in a while. So he was wearing his cute pants and buttoned down and he like let me do his hair, which was so sweet. I was like, let me just do your hair this morning. And so I did it and I put some gel in it. And he was just looking, it was just sweet. It was just like a cute little moment because I just feel like he's getting older. He's 12. He'll be 13 later this year and we'll get bar mitzvah himself. But it was just a sweet little moment because I don't know. I just feel like I don't get a lot of one-on-one like mommy time. He's not as um, you know, affectionate with me as he used to be. He did give me a cute hug last night too. So I don't know. It was just a nice little moment for me. What about you, Katie? That's really sweet. Um, mine was last night at very like spontaneous impromptu. I ended up going into the city and going to a concert with my husband, Adam. And he, um, listeners, just so you know, he is the most diehard Pearl Jam fan. He follows them around the world. It was Eddie Vedder and his new band, The Earthlings. It was at a really... Um, like a nice intimate venue is at the beacon in the city. And I think just seeing him happy brings me so much nirvana and joy. Like when he is his happiest, I'm just like gaga, like, like goo goo gaga over him. Like I'm in love with him to begin with, but when he's like that, it, it, I just love it. So it, Aww. It was just really, really fun. Like we had so much fun together. It's so sweet. And it was just, it was romantic and fun and the whole, the whole thing. So it was great. 
That's awesome. So nice. I'm sure you probably haven't been out in a while like that too. It's just nice to be in like a, at a concert, I'm sure. 100%. I'm very pleased that it was at the Beacon though, because it's like my concert speed. I need a, I need a chair. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> not quite through people. So, but yeah. What about you, Erica? What's your Nirvana? I'm not going to tell my husband because he'll wish that we went. <laughs> um, okay. So my Nirvana of the week, and I hope I'm doing this right. Is there is no right or wrong. Okay. So I did not have to wipe my two-year-old after I went to the bathroom. That's fantastic. That's and great. I, That's amazing. And I'll tell you what made it even better was that my older daughter set up this amazing game in the living room where she was the camp counselor and it was the camp and the mat was the pool and there was swimming lessons and there was a whole thing. And when my, the little one said she had to go to the bathroom, my older daughter put on some plastic gloves, just like a camp counselor would do. And she said, mom, I'm taking her to the bathroom and I'm going to wipe her. Do not come. And I said, I will not come. I will sit here and drink my coffee. And it was a glorious moment. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my God. Congrats. I know. That's amazing. So that was definitely a nirvana. And I love- How old are your girls? Well, obviously two. and Almost the other one? three and almost six. Wow. So something's very mature. Well. That's so cute. That <laughs> yeah. She's the older one, right? Yeah. Sadie, it's so cute that she created a camp too. So That's adorable. She's very maternal and she's... Um, She'll definitely be an all-star camp counselor one day. Nice. It's in her blood, I think. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, let's kick it off because we have so much to cover. So first, let's just talk about how and why you decided to become a parenting coach. So like many families, like many mothers especially, I really, really had a desire to be present for my kids. And I think most mothers struggle with the balance We want to work. We want to stay on our career paths that we started before kids. We want to feel fulfilled. We want to feel like we're accomplishing something. I think a lot of people can relate to that. But we also want to be present. We want to be able to know the teachers. We want to be able to know the friends and their families. We want to be able to drive a carpool here or there once in a while. So, you know, just to be really honest, working in a school does not pay nearly enough as it should. Our teachers are heroes and they're complete rock stars. And paid triple what they're making. And um, I found myself the first year after she was born going to my great job in the New York City Department of Education at one of the largest and best schools on the Upper East Side. Um, And my paycheck wasn't covering the cost of my nanny. Mm. And I had insurance, which is, you know, definitely a privilege that a lot of people don't have. And I had stability. I was tenured which is also a privilege that a lot of people don't have. So it was hard to walk away from it, but I knew that there was more for me. Like I knew as fulfilling as that work was and as, as amazing as it was, I couldn't hand over every penny to my nanny and miss out on my kid. So I had to just pause and we moved to Connecticut. I took a year off to be with her. And then I kind of figured it out as I went along. Um, And when it comes to becoming a parent coach, I really felt like, okay, what did I love? What really, like, they talk about sparking joy or feeling like you're lighting up, right? Like what lit me up in the schools? And I was always, I always enjoyed the kids and I always loved the kids, but I felt drained when Mm. I was with the kids. And after I would come Mm. home, I felt like I needed a nap every day. But when a parent walked into my office, I lit up. And that was where it got my energy. I've always loved connecting with the parents and helping guide them to do what's best for their kids. That's amazing. And and you do it so unbelievably well. I mean, you really do. Like the, her, her, her advice and direct tips, it's it, you should, like you get to the core of the problem really, really quickly and effectively and instantly has the answer and the tools and gives them to you. It's, it's really impressive. And you guys are all going to hear that because we're going to give some scenarios. Thanks. I don't know that it's always about being instant. I I do think that clients want to feel that and they want to feel like I'm giving them a quick fix. And so I do have little tools and tips and strategies that I like to let clients walk away from, walk away with from a session but I think a big part of the magic is developing the relationship with the client, which happens mm-hmm. over time. And once you you find that trust, I think you can help them really make positive change in their families. 
that's yeah. Because I'm sure they open up more too, right? So then you're able to get it more, yeah, more deeply into like whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I also. Well, we're excited to hear all yeah. all the things today. So all right, so let's get right into it though, because I feel like your our listeners are going to walk away with so much value from this conversation. So we have a few scenarios and some questions, etc. So just to start off, like, what are some of the biggest issues. I'm sure there's loads, you know, that run the gamut, but what do you find are some of the biggest problems that parents come to you for? So I think, I mean, it's obvious that we are all drowning in this pandemic. I think for a lot of people who don't have children and who feel um, secure enough with their health, they've kind of been able to move on and live quote unquote, a bit more of a normal life. Mm -hmm. But I think so many of the parents were still struggling because either the little ones who've not yet been vaccinated and parents want them vaccinated, or maybe, you know, uh, school closures, people are drowning, managing both work and, and kids school at the same time. So there's a lot of pandemic related stuff. But I would say that a lot of times people come to me right away, because there's some type of behavior presenting in the kid. So it's something that's really hard to deal with. You know, maybe the kid's not sleeping at night, or maybe the kid doesn't want to go to school, or maybe there are issues, you know, with anger in the home and how the kid's handling stress, or, you know, there may be some diagnosis that they want help, you know, setting the kid up for success with. But when they come to me for what's appearing to be a behavioral issue, I think we end up uncovering a lot of other things that have become patterns in the family that they could just really use help kind of tweaking or making better or helping to impose some structure around. I think that, you know, when I work with the clients that I really feel like as a parent, we have two main goals, all of us, myself included. I feel like, you know, our goal is to build a relationship with our kids to the point where they can come to you with anything and everything, Mm -hmm. because if they can come to you with the small stuff, they can come to you with anything. And that's a lifelong bond that you'll always have if you can develop that at a young age. Mm -hmm. And our other goal is to raise independent adults, even whether they're two or 12 or 22, that's the end goal. So we do a lot of working towards that. And sometimes the client may not even know that we're working towards that, (laughs) but we are. Nice. Okay. That's fantastic. I love that. All right. So you mentioned the pandemic. What what have been some of the pandemic specific struggles that you feel like you're seeing do you is it just a matter of like I'm sure homes you know the remote schooling situation and all of that yeah and I think depending on the family's level of isolation or Mm -hmm. depending on the the parents level of anxiety about the pandemic I think the kids are really feeling that a lot of them are really struggling it's it's a challenge You just touched on something that I think is so crucial, which is coming to you for anything, because I have, you know, a preteen and a teenager, and I think they tell me some things. I don't think they tell me everything. I'd like them to tell me more. And I'm just wondering, what do you suggest that parents do to make sure that their kids are telling them everything or you know, being more open, especially, I mean, I have teenage boys, so they're not exactly the most vocal. My younger one is a little bit more vocal than my older one, but how do you sort of get to that? So I think that first of all, if someone comes to me with a young child, I would try to coach them as young as possible to set up that relationship in the beginning. However, I believe that it is never too late. So your boys are how old? 12 and 14, almost 15. So you wish they would come to you with anything and everything. I have never met a teenage boy that was going to go to his mother with everything and and anything. Right. Just not. Right. They hold a lot in. There's a lot of societal norms around being a male that have affected Mm -hmm. the way they communicate. I I saw that firsthand in the middle school. Um, I had mothers walk into my office saying, what, what is he doing? Who is he friends with? Who is he dating? What's going on? And I would say, okay, take a deep breath because they're really, you know, they're not telling a lot, but when they do come to you, whether it's 10% of the time or 20% of the time, the first thing to do is to validate that they came to you and to look in their eyes and to, to really bond and to say, thank you so much for coming to me with this. 
That was really brave of you. I know that a lot of kids wouldn't talk to their, their parent about this. And I just want you to know that I am here for you. So regardless of the topic, number one, you want to like reinforce the fact that they came to you and make them feel mm. proud about it and, and strengthen the bond. And number two, whatever you're talking about, it could be something as simple as, should I go to this party? And it could be something as, you know, intense as, should I have sex for the first time? At the end of the conversation, I recommend saying to them, thank you for coming to me with this. I am here for you to talk about anything. Because the more you can do that, the more they'll they'll believe it. And yeah, the more they'll I love that. That's a really good point. And I think my husband and I will both, we always say to our kids, you can come to us with anything, like you're never going to get in trouble. You can tell us anything. But like, I think that's too vague. And like, they're like, great, but that doesn't really mean anything. So I think to your point, I mean, that's a, that's a good thing to do. I mean, I think we do that sometimes. I don't know. They don't, I, yeah, but that's more intentional about it. You'll see the transformation more. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's something small, like if it's about like school or like right. a teacher, like anything like really, you just validate it. So then they feel, right. So yeah. like how many times do families just go towards like, this is your teacher. Here's, yeah. We respect the teacher, but like, okay. We, we know that we respect the teacher. Everyone who's listening to this podcast cares about teaching their kids to respect the teacher and their kids already know that. So like, don't worry. Like, Listen, why are they coming to you? We have to listen more. You know, we're all aligned in that we should respect the teacher. Our kids have absorbed those values most likely or are absorbing those values. So I don't think that's necessarily the thing to emphasize in something like that. But to say to your kid, thank you for coming to me with this. I'm here for you. I'm here to listen. You know, that was brave. And really listening. And in so much of this world right now, we just don't listen to one another. And a lot of what I talk about in parenting is modeling. And if we can model that for our kids, just I'm here for you. I'm here to listen. Um, I think that that can be a really good tool to connect with them. That also really helps me segue into the next question, because that's essentially positive reinforcement, right? And when Erica and I first started working together, the the very first thing that we discussed was my older was Madeline. She's my older daughter. She's eight years old for the listener. She has um, a pretty severe ADHD and, and we're starting to get it under control and everything. And she's doing really, really, really well. But her and I butt heads like crazy. And I'll ask her to do something and I have to ask her 25 times and then it escalates into an argument. And then I yell at her and the whole thing. And Erica's the very first thing she said to me was watch for things that she's doing that are good. It could be as simple as she gave her sister a hug. It could be simple, as simple as you asked one time and she, and she did it. Every time you see good, call it out, praise her, acknowledge it give her positive reinforcement. Okay. So I did that. It was the, like, literally she'd been home from school for one minute. I asked her to do one thing. I think it was bring her backpack upstairs. And she said, okay. So I was like, oh my gosh, did you see that? You did. I only had to ask you one time. That was so awesome. High five. Thank you. And then 10 minutes later, I asked her to put her shoes in the closet. She was already like, into her afternoon chill, doing her thing. Normally I would have had to ask 10 times and it would have caused an argument. The kid instantly got up and said, okay, mom, and put her shoes in the closet. Happy as can be, like, no problem. I mean, it worked. It was literally instant. And then we, it, it was a very intentional practice that I did for the rest of that weekend and that I have been doing on most days. It's hard to actually like get into that habit. Hard to train yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're always like only call. like, don't get me wrong. Of course, if she does something great, I, you know, there's plenty of times where I say, thank you or nice job, but like, it's not super intentional. And I'm more focused on when she does something wrong. Mm-hmm. And when she does something this is wrong, the story of my life. Yep. Exactly, right. And so like, all, so we're always seeing the negative, not the positive. We're like trained that way. And not just the positive. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, by no, the please. way, I was thrilled when you told me that at our next session, I was like, yes, working she's she's seeing it (laughs) but to be specific positive is one thing but specific 
is, is completely different and it takes it to another level. Right. Wow. Look at the way you just gave your sister a hug. That was so kind. You guys have Mm -hmm. a special relationship and guess what? It will become more special because you're telling you're brainwashing her. (laughs) That's my my trick. (laughs) It's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You are kind, you are caring. And guess oh. what? She is. Now she, she, I mean, not that she wasn't. Now she believes it. Yeah. Right. But it's, now she looks at herself that way. Yeah. It's so true. And our, like our, our whole, uh, like relationship, Maddie and I now, it's like a totally different line of, of, of chat and communication and demeanor and everything. Like she's sweet now. <laughs> we're like, we're nice to each other. <laughs> let me, let me ask you a question. Um, I have so much to say about this. As Katie knows because I'll explain in a second, but Katie, so just for the listener, so that obviously change of mindset definitely helps, but it's, it's not, I, there's, I'm sure you're in a situation where it's like two steps forward, one step back or whatever that phrase is, because I'm sure she's not like that every time, but I'm sure this has helped what, like 80% of the time, 70% of the time, half the time. Like, what do you say? Like if someone were to start like more intentionally doing specific recognition, like how much of the time is it working versus not working? I'm Are just curious for me? my own set. From my, Either of you. I'm asking for my own self because I'll tell you my experience. Okay. So with so with us, when I was incredibly intentional, like those first three days, that was my homework. Erica gave me homework. So I was incredibly mm-hmm. intentional. Only because I knew she would do it. I don't give everyone homework. They're not gonna <laughs> do it. I don't give it. Right. Right. <laughs> but I don't mind the homework. I was happy to do it. So yes, it worked like 90% of the time that weekend. Literally. And then I, you know, life gets busy and I'm like, wasn't hyper focused and and intent on it. So I wasn't doing it 90% of the time either. So it's like, it works like as much as you put in really. Right. So, but, but I think I know your question. (laughs) I think, well, yeah. Yeah. Tell me. And then I'm going to ask you a couple of things. Yeah. So yes, that's great. And praise and reinforcement and being specific is all great. However, what do we do when there are real challenges and behavioral challenges and challenges with discipline that we need to change? Is that what you're kind of thinking? Yeah, it's an ongoing conversation that I have in my household, as Katie knows, with my husband, because I'm very much a positive reinforcer, and he is somewhere in the middle. He used to be much more negative. Now he's a lot more positive because I've tried to drill it in his head, but it's definitely a mindset, and you always go back to like what you're used to. Yeah. But he challenged me on this very specific thing because he'll say, well, I mean, that's so like, why are you praising for all of these things? That's like, you're treating this kid, like literally they have kid gloves and it's like, Mm -hmm. you can't constantly reinforce all these good things because it's like, they get, they're like soft and like, they never have any discipline and blah, 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 blah. If you hear that. And if you listen to that concern, What I hear underneath that is fear. It's a fear. Will they, if I raise my child in this way, will they grow up to be okay in this world, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think we have to examine that. And by the way, I am not a therapist. I am not a psychologist. I I do have a master's degree in counseling, but I'm practicing now as a coach Mm -hmm. uh, because my degree was specific to school counseling. And I really recommend therapy for almost everyone on this planet. I think it's really important to look within ourselves, look at patterns that we were raised with, you know, what can we do better, really, you know, get introspective and figure it all out. So a lot of times people see me in conjunction with therapy. Um, Yeah. But it's, you have to examine what is it that you value and what is it that you want? Do you value creating a strong bond with your kid? So that they will be more, more, you know, open to listening to what you have to say. Because if you value that, then you have to build the relationship. And if you don't spend time building the relationship, your kid and you will not be connected, and you won't, you won't be able to say then. Let's talk about what happened with right. the teacher. Because if you're nagging them all the time or telling them what they're doing wrong versus what they're doing right, then you have a kid who like doesn't want to come to you because they think you're annoying or a pain in the ass or whatever. But to your yeah. point, what you were saying earlier, like, what do you do when you do need to discipline when something is not right? And you can't always, you know, just look at what's right. Yeah. So I'm you not know? saying that there's not a, a place for discipline and a place for structure. There definitely is. It's it, it actually extremely important to set set up structures that are consistent and that are predictable 
so that mm-hmm. you don't have to come in and say, get to your room. Because if things are predictable for a kid, and if we can set up the kid for success, and if we can prep, prep, prep them as much as possible with what we expect in our household, then they know what they need, what standards they need to meet. If they don't know what they're supposed to meet, how are they meeting it? If we don't have a family contract, if we don't have a set of expectations for dinner time, if we don't have, this is the way bedtime goes in my house, then how in the world are they going to, to meet that standard? They don't even know mm-hmm. what it is. That's a good point. Yeah. So I think um, preparation and knowing what to expect and having norms within your home that are very clearly communicated to kids. This can happen with two-year-olds, with 14-year-olds, doesn't matter what age it is, is really powerful in getting them to do what you expect and to do the right thing. Yeah, Amy, we just started in our last session tackling exactly this, the the discipline area. Mm -hmm. And we just started like to to take it down to a very granular level. Erica just said, give me a scenario. And I said, okay, dinner time. Dinner time, Madeline won't sit in her chair. She's up and about constantly. And she's like- Same with Jackson. My older son, by the way, for context, also has ADHD, but he's 15 now. He's much- much more able to handle it. And like, he has more tools, I would say, but I know exactly what Katie's talking about. Cause he was the same way when he was that age and he's still the same way now. He still can't sit at dinner, but go ahead. I want to hear what you're doing because. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, it's really brilliant. We haven't, I haven't implemented it yet. Cause this, our session was literally just two days ago, but exactly to what Erica just said, we're setting expectations. So Madeline and I are going to sit down and I'm going to very much give her like the leadership role in the practice of creating this chart of what we want our family dinner time to look like. And like, maybe like five, you know, rules, like what are we going to expect and kind of like lead her to come up with some of them, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. instead of saying you cannot ever get out of the, out of your chair and you can get out of your chair, like maybe twice, but you have to ask me first and you have to know that you have to get right back in your chair after you've, you know, like, shake it all out. Mm-hmm. So we're, yeah. we're going to go through this practice together and, and create this. And then I'm going to have that, that poster board right next to my dinner table. Mm-hmm. And so she always knows what the expectations are. And also I'm going to talk to her about the importance of why it matters to me and help her to understand that. Like it, Amy, it's so bad. It drives me so psycho that I am now eating dinner by myself before the family eats. And then we all come together at the table and mommy's fed so I don't get hangry and rip her apart because she's getting up every 10 seconds while I'm trying to eat dinner. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're very much like, you're very much like Stu because my husband goes crazy when Jackson does that too. And like, to the point of rules, like we're probably, and I think this is where my husband gets annoyed with me. Like I'm a little loosey goosey. I'm not too disciplined in that area. So like if Jackson's getting up at dinner, I'm more of an empath and I'm like, he's had a long day. Like, it's fine. Like as long as he's in the room, who cares if he's not sitting, you know, I know he's got ants in his pants, so it's fine. He's more like, why can't you sit down at the table? Right. Here's the thing about that. Your parenting goals do not have to be the same as Katie's parenting goals. And that is something that I'm constantly mindful of when I'm working with families. Right. This is not about what I value. This is about what Katie, when I'm in a session with Katie, this is about what Katie values. Right. She wants everyone sitting at the table. And helping her to get to that point. And a child will never meet our expectations without buy-in. And that's a big, big part of behavior. It's huge. We have their buy-in. Were they able to come up with some of the expectations on their own? Were they able to understand why this is important to our family? So that's what you're working on now, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. And I, I need to do that more with school stuff because I think it's funny, like to your point, Katie, like with, with Maddie, I think especially kids, and it's just my observation, like with my own experience, but I think especially kids with ADHD, like the positive reinforcement is so huge because I think a counselor once told me this once, like they're constantly every day from like a teacher or so, like getting like reprimanded, like sit in your seat, do this. Do this. So they're con- so it's like their confidence is constantly like ticked down and down. So like the more you can give them positive reinforcement and structure, the better they feel. And so I think my son has completely grown up in that area. He's like so much more confident than he used to be. And he's really grown into himself. But when he was around that age, like same thing, it's just like they're constantly hearing negative. So the more positive you can give them, I think the better it can be. I mean, obviously for all kids, but I think specifically with kids with like attentional issues. 
I don't know if you see that. that. Help your husband to kind of buy in and get on board. Also, is that you know you want to let him know like these kids are really holding it in all day from eight o'clock till four o'clock, and sometimes sports after and whatever they do, Hebrew school, church, whatever. Yeah, home at six o'clock for dinner, and they are just dead. And by the way, they're not used to that pace of life because they've been in a pandemic for two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm not against structure. I think structure is extremely important and expectations and clear expectations, but they have to be able to meet the expectations. And if the expectations yeah. are unrealistic, and by the way, this is not my idea. Um, <laughs> this is very widely accepted in the educational field. There's a brilliant author named Ross Green. Um, you may have read some of his books. I know one of the things you wanted to ask me about was like resources and things that mm-hmm. I read. Yeah. This mm-hmm. guy is just amazing. I mean, almost every educator in schools has either listened to him or read him. He wrote The Explosive Child. He wrote Lost at School, Raising Human Beings. Um, mm. For kids with ADHD, I would recommend. Okay, good to he know. He really, really talks a lot about this and it helps frame our understanding of like what we're asking them to do when we're asking them to do it and just kind of be a little, have more empathy. Mm. Let me ask you a question. Here's another one. Our listeners are going to hate it. I'm like airing all my dirty laundry, but Hey, why not? (laughs) Um, So this is like another one, small one. So my kids have chores, right? Mm -hmm. So my little one, he's just starting to get into it because he's like, Oh, I want to, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, here's your chores for the week. Like you'll get paid for the ones you do. So he gets something, not nothing. So my older one has had chores forever and he does them, but always needs to be reminded. So perfect example, trash, you know, is always Friday morning every week. I would say 95% of the time we have to remind him to take out the trash. He does it, you know, whatever. Half the time he brings in the cans the next time, half the time he doesn't, we have to remind him. So conversations we have are to me, if I ask him and he does it, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. To my husband, it's like, well, he should remember to do it and do it by himself without without us reminding him because then it really helps us. So we're not, I'm like, I get it, but he's still doing it. It's not like he's not doing it. So it's always that like weird balance of like mm-hmm. how, and I also don't want it to be like half-assed. I, want, I don't want him to, like, it's like this weird dynamic of like, if you're okay with him doing something sort of half-assed or the full mm-hmm. complete thing. I just know for some kids, it's harder than others to get the full job done in a way that someone would expect it. Yeah. So and I struggle too. I don't know if I'm right or he's right, or if neither of us are both. right. Both. right. I mean, every kid's different. Every kid's yeah. Different. And by the way, husbands and wives always struggle with this. Uh, husbands and husbands struggle with this. Wives and wives. Yes. You're I'm sure taking, it's like the biggest thing. You're taking two people who were raised in two completely different households who might be different even from their sibling who was raised in the same household. Mm-hmm. And then you're marrying them and you're creating your own family together. So of course you're going to have different expectations and different goals and different hopes. And and I think the fact that you're communicating about it though is a really positive. We do. We yeah. And we were this was um, you know, a while ago. I think now we're in a much better place and he doesn't seem to be my husband seem, doesn't seem to be as worried about it as he used to be. He, he goes in and out of like caring. But And then the other last thing I'll say about this is the other argument we have, which Katie knows too, which we talk about, is like the taking away of things. Like, for example, you do bad in school, you don't get your phone. You do bad in school, you don't get your videos, whatever those things are. And I always struggle with this because my mother-in-law always said something that always stuck with me, which was, or which is, the punishment should fit the crime. Meaning... If they do bad in school, then okay, they have to, like, they do bad on a math test. Okay, do 20 math problems versus you don't get your game tonight because they're not related. And to me, that makes sense. But again, to my husband, it's like, well, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Everything has to be taken away because they're playing too many video games and too much phone. And they are. But to me, it's like not related. And I don't think it's helpful for the kid because I think even if you do that, they're still not going to do better on the quiz next time because I, I don't know. It's It's a constant, like... So how do you, how do you discipline and and like give them a punishment or a consequence that feels appropriate? So a lot of our ideas about discipline and consequences have come from societal norms and from the way we were raised. 
Mm-hmm. And what I would ask is just because this is the way it's been done, is it the way we want to continue doing it? And and also I would ask your husband if I was working with him, is it working? That was the biggest question mm-hmm. that I used to ask. And by the way, norms are different across cultures too, right? So here in America, depending on your, you know, the level of income someone is raised with, depending on the type of, you know, area they're raised in, depending on their culture, depending on their race. I mean, the the norms differ, right? So I had, when I was working in the city, I was at the largest middle school in Manhattan and I was responsible for a grade of 500 kids. I was with them sixth, seventh and eighth grade. I looped with Mm. my kids and I got to know families from every nationality and culture and race and religion so interesting. and, and yeah. socioeconomic background that you could possibly imagine. But the one thing that I did see was that people have ideas about how to raise kids based on the way they were raised. They're yeah. not always thinking about whether or not it's working. They're thinking this is the way it's always been done. So this is how I'm going to do it. But then when I really sat down with a parent who was really struggling with their kid and I looked them in the eyes and I said to them, I got to ask you, is it working? And nine times out of 10, the answer was no. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I do in my work is I help them come up with solutions that do work for their family. That was like a major aha moment for me when Eric yeah. said to me and looked me in the eye and said it. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that I knew all along that what I was doing was not working. Like I knew, but I didn't know better. I didn't know. And you don't know how, yeah. To like, to say, you don't know the alternative. Right. Exactly. So it's not working, but it's still supposed to be right. In my brain, this is still how you do it. If you you want to know the alternative, you need support. We're not, this is not meant to be a a single player sport. We need a village. Like we have been so insular here in our, in our homes for the past two years. And, and for years before, I mean, this society has been going towards, you know, so much kind of, um, you know, just being with your own family, I think, in mm-hmm. my observation. Yeah. And this is not what parenting should be. We need grandparents around. We need aunts around. We need neighbors. We need friends. We need a parent coach and an objective, you know, um, expert in their field who can really sit down with you and, and be your advocate and help you because these things are meant to be looked at and reconsidered. And, you know, I had families that I worked with who had been hitting their kids for years and years. That was what oh their parents did. Right. And that was what they thought they should do. And and when I would sit down and really look them in the eye, like I said, and say, is it working? And they would just just cry and say, no, but what do mm. you do? Right. Well, we have to look at the way things are functioning in your family, in your home, with a kid, what's successful, what's not successful, and come up with a really practical plan that the kid will buy into. I, I really believe that's that. the key, the kid buying in instead of giving them a set of rules, like here are all the things it's like, what do you think we should be doing about this issue? And let's come up with a plan together. Although if I do that with my kids now, they'll like roll their eyes, but still. Yeah. But if you were, did it, if you did it when they were seven and you said, this yes. is why families need rules, rules do this, this, and this, I would love to come up with this rules with you because you have a lot of great ideas. And then you yeah. make a list together. You draw it's it out. Funny. When my kids were little, I had um, similar, but it was more of just like the routine of the day. So we had this like big board with like all the boxes and we'd be like, okay, first we do breakfast and then we change and then we do this. And it was very structured. But now, you know, now that they're older, we don't do that kind of thing. But I used to do that. And I used to like have pictures of them dressed with their backpack mm-hmm. on so they knew exactly what to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So it totally does a hundred percent work. And sometimes a lot of the struggles with adolescents, I think, and I think this is a bit of what you're describing is that their bodies have grown, but their emotional development is still really young. Yeah. And we're treating them like adults in a lot of ways and they're not there yet. And they still need the structure and they still need the support. And as much as they show us that they, they really want to push us away they don't. They just want our support to look a little bit different, but they still need us and they still want Yeah, it's so true. I, I think especially with my little one who's 12, like he's definitely, I would say, more of a late bloomer than my older son. Like when my older son was in sixth grade, he was like just much more, I think, um, in like he's much more mature now that he's in ninth, but I feel like in sixth, he was more like in tune. My 
little one now just seems like so innocent to me. And like he, he really is, he's growing, but I think he still has the mind of like a six year old half the time because mm-hmm. of the things he does. So it's, it's interesting. That's a really good step back. Yeah. Emotionally. Emotional yeah. Maturity probably is still really young. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Erica said um, recently on her Instagram page, she, which by the way, for the listener, her content is phenomenal with so many great, like quick tips all the time, but you were talking mm-hmm. about neediness, like the, mm-hmm. the, the, these kids, and we see it all the time. I'm sure we all do with all of our children when they're acting out or when they're doing something crazy because they, they need us, they want to get, they're trying to get our attention. And it's, yeah. It, and then, and you like, you know, you hear parents say like, Oh, my kid is so needy right now. Cause they're maybe like going over the top. Well, maybe they're going through something and they really, it's right. like, they, they, of course they need mm-hmm. us. They're these little tiny humans mm-hmm. that are, we're responsible for helping and developing. And it's just as a, as a busy parent, it's so easy to, to just not always like, and I full transparency, I am working with Erica because I have had a very difficult year this past year and I have not been present for my children. And that's a Mm -hmm. very difficult thing to say out loud, especially on the air. I have not been present with my kids. And it was, uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I was in bed for eight weeks sick. It's like, oh, what have I been doing wrong? What do I do to deserve this? Well, what did I do? Oh, that's what I did. I haven't been giving my children me. And it's so, you so know, many of us have it, it. it's so easy to do. It's too. so easy to do. That's just I, that. And, and when you say that, Katie, do you mean just like you, cause I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us feel that way. You just kind of are getting through the day, but you're not, I, it, cause I course. see you. And I think like Katie is like the most amazing mother. She's so in tune with her kids. Like her no, kids are like, not- I just, I see you as such a good mother and so communicative. So like, I feel like I, yeah, half the time I'm not, you know, I'm just like, yeah, yeah let me talk to daddy about something. Uh, you know, it's just, you get through your day and you're not really thinking that they're like these people that need your support in a way that you're, yeah, you expect them to be adults or something and just like, oh, go do your thing. But 100%. Yeah. It's just a matter of like, I've had too many distractions and I haven't been mm-hmm. focused and mm-hmm. I haven't been intentional with them. Yeah. They haven't been intentional. You know, I haven't, they haven't had my like undivided attention for as long, as, as much as they deserve it. Really. And, yeah. And it's not realistic to think that we're going to give that to them 24 seven. Right. And that's okay. Right. That's okay. And we have to accept that. But also the fact that you are being vulnerable enough to say, this is what's been going wrong. And I want to be here for them. I think that's huge, really yeah. huge. And it, it, you're really an amazing mother. Oh, and thank you. none of us can be everything to everyone. And I think that's why so many of us are drowning right now. Yeah. But yeah, just knowing that you're working on it is a huge, huge, huge step in the right direction. And they're going to benefit from it. And they're going to see you working on yourself. And they're going to absorb that and they are going to internalize it. And it's just really good. And it shifts everything. Like, it, it, like, and I'm not saying that I am now super mom that gives my kids my undivided attention all day, every day. I just have now when I am with them, I am with them. And then yeah. when I'm working, I am working. I'm not like, yeah. and then when I, when I need time to myself, it's, you know, like I, I'm not interweaving it all so much anymore. Right. It's like the quality over the quantity. Yes. 100%. And, And I was talking about setting them up for success when it comes to behavior. So knowing what the expectations are, it's the same thing with when you want to spend time with them, giving them the expectations. Here's what's going to happen in this next hour. And this can happen with a teenager too, or a five year old doesn't matter. Here's what's going to happen in our family for the next hour. Me and daddy are going to sit at the kitchen table and have a talk for 20 minutes. You guys are going to watch one show. When that's over, I'm going to sit and play a special game with you. After that, I'm going to make dinner. Boom, boom, boom. If you Mm -hmm. don't do this, there will be craziness all around. I promise. Yes. And I promise that if you do it, it will be much more calm. I wish my puppy could understand English because uh, <laughs> she's great. literally taken over our household. It is she's so, like, I mean, like new- to go on a tangent, <laughs> talk about we'll like turning have- our house upside down. This we'll have to have a puppy trainer on next episode. We have. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny too, because you were saying like, Katie, you were saying this before, like your kids are going to be as consistent as you are. It's the same thing with a puppy. So like every time she does something wrong, I look at my husband and we're both like, oh, it's our fault. 
because you know you you do what you can, and then you're like, all right, I, I gotta have a break, and then she's like, you know, tearing up shoes or like you know having an accident somewhere. But we're like, oh my god, this is like having a newborn again. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I'm waiting till my kids are a little older. For the yeah. Very smart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you something else about, so all that being said, I have a question about just like today's environment. And I talk about this with a lot of moms because I feel like kids now, everything is instant. They never, like, there's no patience. Everything's online. Like they can, or, like everything is just, it's easy and they're all spoiled. Do you know what I'm saying? Just because, well, not, not, not everyone, but you know. Mm-hmm the people that I'm talking about, it's like, we say the kids are spoiled in the sense of like, they just have everything that they need and they have everything that they need at their fingertips, unlike it was when we were growing up. So do you see like a lot of parents concerned about that? Like their kids don't have any sort of grit because it's just so easy to like get access to anything that you need. So yes, parents are concerned and yes, the resilience and the grit is an issue. By the way, mm-hmm. Angela Duckworth wrote an amazing book called Grit. If you guys haven't read it, she's mm. so brilliant. And okay. uh, she does a lot of positive psychology stuff, and it's really awesome. But um, yes, however, I would say parents are probably not as aware and not as concerned enough about that as they should be. Mm. And I believe that from my observation, this is not based on research. This is based on my immediate observation. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also not only in this neighborhood where we live, which is pretty affluent and people really do have excess, but this is also based on my experience in schools with many diverse types of kids is that kids and families are going at such a fast pace these days, whether they're, you know, living in an apartment or a mansion, it doesn't matter. It is such a fast pace. There is so much on the plate of the parent. There is way too much on the plate of the kids. School days are long. They're in a million activities. They're on social media. They have phones at way too young of an age. And people are not stopping to to sit down and take a step back and say, you know what? Let's just sit. Let's just chill. Like, turn off the iPad. Put it away. Like, I noticed, and I, I mentioned this to Katie, that during March, 2020, April, 2020, May, 2020, so many of us had like an awakening, like, wow, the pace of the world was not sustainable. Mm -hmm. The world was stressful. And now two years later, look at us, we're back to that pace. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that sitting down and putting away the devices and being present, whether it's 30 minutes a day or an hour a day, or even two hours a week on Friday night, like I'm Jewish too. And like, we observe Shabbat. We, we don't really observe. I mean, we light the candles and we sit and play a family game, but mm-hmm, we phones away for an hour and looking in each other's eyes and just getting back to old school is so powerful for these kids and they really need it. And they're, and they're struggling without it and they need parents who are willing to model it for them. And whether you're, you know, running a podcast or, running a parent coach Instagram or whatever mm-hmm. you're doing, we're all guilty of it. We're all on the devices and we're all going at that pace. But I'm very mindful to put my phone away when my daughter walks in the room as much as possible or to yeah. or to say there are no phones at dinner. And if my husband yeah. needs to send a message for work, he walks away and does it away from the table. There are certain things that we need to be incorporating in this world of excess and this world of fast paced craziness that I think many are not, are not doing it. They're not as concerned as they should be. I think, yeah, I think we need to say to our kids, Oh, you need a shirt, a green shirt for spirit day tomorrow. I'm not going to sit there and click Amazon and pay for it. I need to take a step back. Let's mm-hmm. go to the piggy bank and let's see if you have $12 for the shirt. And we're going to go to Walmart or wherever we go. And we're going to pick out the green shirt together. And we're going to understand how much it costs. And we're going to understand that someone made it. And we're, you know, there. that's just an yeah. example. But there are things we can do to incorporate more of the way we were brought up and more of the values that we had that are more intentional. I really do think we can. I love that. And I really need to do that more because I'm guilty of it too. Like every second, I'm like, 
oh, you need a ski helmet? Let me just go on Amazon. It'll be here tomorrow. Like I'm so guilty of it, but I know the other side. So in my head, I justify it. But I really have to watch my own habits because I do the same thing, which is probably why my kids do it. But I, you know, I once had uh, my kids pediatrician tell me, which I thought was a great idea when my kids were younger and they were getting older. And I had this, I was like, how do I get them to talk to me more or whatever? And she was like, you know, once a month or once every other weekend, she's like, you should do a family board meeting where basically you do an activity together, no phones, whatever. And we did do it kind of like more prior to the pandemic before we were spending so much time together, but like we would go on a hike, no phones. And it was always amazing because they would always not want to go complain, but then we got get there and then they'd be talking about something that happened at school that week that we would have never known unless we had spent that time with them. So it's a good reminder to, to do that. And the funny thing is, and, and I'll admit this, this is um, <laughs> so sad, but not sad, but my husband, he's so sweet. He goes a couple weeks ago, he, he was, you know, sick of the devices and the, this and the, that he's, you know, he hates all the devices. He just thinks it's ridiculous. And he's like, we're going to do, um, you know, like family reading hour and we're all going to grab books and we're just going to sit and read together. And I, I didn't do this, but in my head, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. It sounds <laughs> like I was like, like <laughs> okay. But of course we haven't done it. Cause that's the other problem is like, we'll come up with this idea and then we like, don't institute it cause we forget or whatever. But anyway, it was a great idea. And I was even poo-pooing it in my head. Cause like, I didn't even want to do it. I was like, maybe I'll do it for a half an hour. An hour is a little bit long for me and my attention span. <laughs> but it was just so funny. So it's like I'm doing the same things and reacting the same way. So I'm so glad we're having this conversation. And for our listeners, it's like getting back to that mindset of like the intention behind all of these things we're doing is so crucial. And I think to your point of getting busy again, I think all of this starts to manifest in itself more negatively. Whereas like during the pandemic, it was like a step back and you're sort of spending time, but then you're also doing whatever you can to get by. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of this mix. And then you're spending time together and really appreciating it. And now that people are getting back into the world, like those old habits of life is creep fast. back in. Yeah. Like they creep back in so fast again. Yeah. And yeah, really so it's a really good reminder. Thanks for listening to Nirvana Sisters. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Also, find us on Instagram at Nirvana Sisters. If you loved what you just listened to or know someone that would, please share it and tag us. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of Nirvana Sisters. We'll continue to watch out for all things wellness so you don't have to. Bye. Bye.